Welcome to the Pace and Freedom with your host, James Pace, where ideas and voices are valued. No labels, no judgment, just conversation. Hello and welcome to Pace and Freedom. I am your host, James Pace, and we're here for another amazing episode. And I have with me another amazing guest, and she has been on this podcast now a couple times. This is her third time on, and that is the amazing Stevie Madison. And we're going to be talking about decriminalizing sex work. But first, just a few announcements. I am extremely pleased and very excited to announce a brand new merchandise on the Pace and Freedom merch store. And that is Stevie Madison's tribute poster for the podcast. And I think she looks amazing. And I think you do too. So go on to the Pace and Freedom merch store by going to the website www.paceandfreedom.com and purchase your Stevie Madison tribute poster. We have different sizes, differently priced, and they look amazing. So again, go to the website www.paceandfreedom.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pandora. Did I already say YouTube? I think I said YouTube. Get on there, subscribe, and enjoy this amazing episode with Stevie Madison. All right, welcome to another episode of Pace and Freedom. I am your host, James Pace, and this is part two of the episode that we had with Stevie Madison named Sex Work, and what we'll be talking about is sex work and about the legalization and and or decriminalization of the sex work industry and kind of tune in more into some of the uh, things that we talked about already as well and kind of expand on them. So I want to get give Stevie a reintroduction to our listeners just in case they didn't listen to the first part. Stevie, welcome. Hi. Well, thank you. So um, I'm a sex worker in Southern California. I've been in the industry for about two years now. And um, yeah, I love it. I love what I do. And, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and that's going to be, it come across as a shocker for a lot of people, you know, that will listen to this podcast because there's this idea that, you know, the sex work industry is this uh, criminal, violent, dangerous, dark uh, industry and that people are being abused and uh, coerced and um, uh, extorted and, you know, just this horrible thought to a lot of people. And here you're saying, I love this job. So tell us a little bit about the what you feel and what you know is the truth about this industry. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of mistruths and misconceptions and misinformation uh, going on out there. A lot of stigma that's just so inaccurate to uh, the truth of how it really is. Um, not saying that that violence or abuse doesn't exist, um, but that violence and abuse can exist in literally any workplace. Um, I've experienced some pretty bad sexual harassment in my office job. So, uh, you know, it's, 
yeah, for people to say that it's um, particular to the sex work industry is not necessarily true. Um, the criminalization of that definitely makes it worse. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's really an industry. It's a service of, like, love and compassion and intimacy. And people just don't get that. They, they can't see past um, the stigmas and, you know, the misconceptions about it. They just are so focused on what they think they know about it uh, and don't kind of challenge themselves to find out you know, what, what the truth really is. So it's unfortunate, but that's what we're all working to bring into the light. Right. You know, I, I like what you said about like, there's these issues that already exist in other, uh, regular, you know, what we consider normal quote unquote jobs. Right. And oh yeah, I was actually talking about this as you know, I had, um, a conversation with um, with one of your uh, customers or clients or beneficiaries, as I like to call them, and um, that episode will be coming out after this one. And we were talking about how you know when I was in the service, women in the in in the Navy or in any branch, they experience. Uh, a lot of abuse at times and you know uh, especially when they go out on deployment I mean we've heard about uh, on the news back a few years ago where there were um, in a marine unit they were abusing women taking pictures of them nude spreading them on the internet oh my gosh, yeah. without their yeah. you know permission without their consent and I remember about you know, these um, sex rings that uh, were happening on ships. And these women not were not voluntarily. Yeah, they weren't consenting to that. Right. They were being yeah. forced That's by. That's so exactly. You know, and this is in the service, you know. Yeah. So to say, you know, oh, well, this is an isolated issue in the sex work industry is just absurd. And to like criminalize it because of that is for me, besides unconstitutional, it's immoral in my opinion. And then we can now talk a little bit more about, I guess, the whole moral and moral issue, right? Because the real, there's a real reason why sex work is criminalized, but the reason they give us, uh, as far as government, the state is because it's immoral and we really can't, you know, in my opinion, we can't be regulating morals. Well, and see, I, I think that, yeah, I think that they do outwardly say, uh, in some respects, they do outwardly say that that is the issue. Um, certainly some people are saying, you know, it's wrong and it shouldn't be happening and it's bad and it's not what people should be doing. But, they really champion this um, this idea that you know it, it's violent and exploitive and you know all these other things to get people kind of riled up. Like, well, we don't want to be doing that to our women. We don't want women to be exploited and and hurt, and whatever. And um, it's just not the case. Like the the, the facts and the evidence just don't support it, and nobody's listening to that. Um, but yeah, I really I think that that 
the underlying issue, whether people are saying it or are not, the true underlying issue is that morality. And that just, I mean, I just find that so comical. I just, I just will never understand how um, you can be so egotistical to think that, well, I think that this is wrong and I don't believe that this is what should be happening. And, um, you know, this is what I think should be happening. And therefore, so should all of you. And it's like, what right. the fuck? How did you get from A to B on that? I just don't get that, that line of thinking at all. Exactly. Well, it's, it's extremely hypocritical, right? And the real reason why it's criminalized is because if it was decriminalized, constitutionally, the government cannot tax your body, right? And if you're using your right. body as a business, then, you know, they lose out because they, they can't tax you, right? It's like, okay, you're going to tax somebody for having sex? Like, you cannot do that. So the fact that they don't have control over that is really why it's criminalized because they have to find a way to make money. And oh, I yeah, like, of course that's part of it. well, and I, I went in circles about this, like the night before we were supposed to record this, uh, this episode the first time. And I had some obviously technical issues and, um, you know, and I was going to bring that up as well as like, you know, I was thinking about how in it's criminalized, right? Yet we do see a lot of it happening still even though it's criminalized. I mean, you're still working in that, in that industry and there's many, 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 uh, people working in that industry, many, many people, you know, going to that industry to receive the benefits from it. And the government really could do a lot more if, you know, that is criminalized to, to stop it, but they don't because they need to allow it to still happen. So that way they can do these things and they make money off of that. Well, I mean, there's not been any evidence that I have been able to find where laws have been put into place to, you know, try and limit or stop or end demand or whatever where it's been effective. And it's shown and proven that there's been a decrease in that activity. I've not been able to find any information or data or evidence of that. I found quite the opposite, that it doesn't change at all, and that the only thing that it really does change is the increase in um, violence and STI reports. Those two things skyrocket the more criminalization that exists um, in everything that I've found, everything that I've read. It's really, really interesting. So, yeah, of course they want a piece of the pie, but, uh, you know, no. Stay out of my body. <laughs> I'm not for you. And as far as consent-wise, right, the sex industry is kind of unique in that perspective because normally when you, you know, provide a service, usually it's just one, you know, the consent is, okay, you, let's just say, we, you know, you need service in your home. Uh, you know, you contract somebody to come out and uh, remodel your kitchen you're basically the only consent on that service is you allowing that person to come into your home to do the service. Right. 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 I think in the sex industry, there's a lot more to it where both parties have to have consent. 
and um, there's like this. I feel like a lot of sex workers need to be like they should all have uh, business degrees and um, mm -hmm. you know corporate law degrees because it's very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not complicated, but there's a lot of intricacies to it. Uh, we talked a little bit about it on part one, like how you have your screening process. And I talked to Don and he was talking a little bit about like, you know, this, there was like a lot of talking before he even met you oh, to yeah. get to that point, to get the service. And <clears throat> you don't see that with any other service. So if anything, decriminalized, it would probably, probably be the safest industry to you know and the safest service ever it would definitely be uh, i don't know if i would say it would be the safest because there's always going to be you know there's always going to be predators that's just unfortunately the nature of the world but um, right. immensely safer yeah like even as we're talking right now i'm uh you know i saw these things up on my laptop here and I have like one eye on this conversation and one eye on this information because it's so interesting. But, um, you know, I'm reading here that, um, you know, after the, after they passed Seth Ben Fosta in April 2018, um, one of the big effects of that was, um, providers screening processes, not like really, they really had to sacrifice their screening processes. Um, and had to take major risks just to keep the work coming in um, because it was criminalized on so many different sides and so many different angles. And, um, you know, so providers themselves were having a hard time uh, making ends meet. And, the, you know, the clients were afraid as well. So it was just this really, it was just this perfect storm of, everything really going downhill in that regard. But, um, yeah, immensely safer, absolutely. And, you know, you bring up that point, right, because it's criminalized, because there's a prohibition. I mean, throughout history, we've seen nothing but prohibition causing more problems than good, right? We saw it in the 1920s when they, you know, when we had the prohibition, the alcohol prohibition uh, for 10 years. It was probably the most violent, era of this nation Be, mm -hmm. you know for something as simple as alcohol right and you know some of the the issues with it was you still had people making alcohol and they were making it very unsafely and very unhealthy and it caused a lot of health problems into people because the amount of alcohol wasn't regulated it wasn't you know and they were using right. ingredients that were toxic because they couldn't get right. the, the ingredients they needed because it was illegal. The process was a lot more dangerous to make alcohol. And then on top of that, you had turf wars, you had gang wars. Yeah. You know, so, and that's where I see when people bring up, oh, you know, the sex work industry, you know, is criminalized because there's all these dangers and because you have these pimps exploiting uh, sex workers yeah, well, that's happening because of the prohibition, right? If right. it was out in the open, you wouldn't have exploiters uh, readily, you know, 
Exactly. Um, exactly. Like in New Zealand, where it is decriminalized, um, there's been a major decrease in violence. There's, there's been um, a major increase in providers reporting, um, you know, additional human rights. Um, just the safety all around has increased because, yeah, you don't, it's not being forced into the shadows where people don't even just feel like they need protection. They need protection or they, they need support or they need that extra whatever. Um, it's just, you know, the whole idea of prohibition of anything is so ridiculous because people are going to do what they're going to do. And to think that you have the power, the manpower, the energy, the resources, just everything that goes into upholding a prohibition, to think that you've got that and you're going to really, you know, stop it in its tracks, it's just like, why? I don't understand. Like, that, it's never worked never going to work. People are always going to do what they're going to do. So why not accept that and then figure out how to make it safe and viable uh, and the best way possible for those people. Right. And, you know, you and I have been throwing out these words, legalization and decriminalization in this conversation. And I think, you know, for the listeners, I think a lot of them won't know the difference. And, you know, you and I have talked about it offline a little bit about it. And I think you have a pretty good grasp of the difference. Uh, would you like to share that with us? Well, yeah. So um, legalization would mean there would be a lot of regulations put on it, things like licensing, um, you know, zoning, um, where it can be done, how many people, how many licenses are available. Um, and what parameters you can do it, um, it would be very, it would be made, you know, it would be essentially be on public record. You know, that's another issue of it as well. Um, going to rent an apartment or going to apply for a civilian job. Uh, if you are holding a, um, like an escort license and you go to apply for a job or an apartment or whatever and they do a background check, the stigma is still going to exist, unfortunately. That's just going to take time and that's just on a human level. Um, but, you know, I can totally understand why people don't necessarily want to be that out and that open because that stigma exists. So legalization causes, I mean, many, many problems. <laughs> That's one of many, but um, decriminalization would mean there wouldn't be any of that, that you, you're, you would essentially, like a hairstylist who does hair out of her home. Same, same concept. Um, you know, you're just free to do as you please. You're free to run your business as you'd like. Or a housekeeper who, you know, the housekeepers that leave business cards on your front door. Um, same idea. You can market yourself how you want. You can, or not market yourself how you want. can, um, you know, work where you're comfortable, where you're safe. You can set your prices where you want. Um, you know, so there is a big, big difference. And... You know, legalization has not shown the areas where it is, you know, kind of legal, partly legal. Uh, it's not shown any um, major decrease in violence. It's not shown any major decrease in, you know, STI reports. Not, you know, which I want to touch on that too. Like um, at the end of when we did the premiere 
um, episode, when I did the premiere episode with you, uh, kind of at the very end there, you know, um, Andrew was, when we were talking about Trump, Andrew was like, you know, right. unprotected sex with a porn star. And I was like, hold, hold, hold right the fuck <laughs> up. Um, first of all, I mean, the, the stigma in the tone of his voice and what he said, um, I know exactly what he was getting at. And if you want to talk about why Trump is such an awful person, like, let's go there. But um, there's not necessarily, like, the civilian population in the reports of the um, SCI reports in the civilian population versus um, the sex work population. It, there's a big difference there as well. So, um, you know, we're not all running around rampant, just STI ridden. Um, that's a huge misconception where, as someone said to me, you know, oh, well, yeah, I want to use a condom because you're a professional. And I was like, yeah, I am a professional. And that's why you're going to use a condom. Like, <laughs> that's exactly right. So, um, you know, it, it's just, yeah, there's a big difference there. I'm sorry, I went on a little tangent. But um, no worries. the legalization does not uh, does not add to the benefits of um, our lives, our livelihood, our ability to work and function like people might think that it does. Um, decriminalization is, you know, um, what we need, is what we need, right. and it's what, what's been proven to work. Something that I've noticed about, like, you know, something that was criminalized, then they legalize it, Right. Um, something that I notice is normally, you know, a lot of people say, oh, if it was legal, this would be a lot cheaper, right? And something that I've noticed is the contrary. Whenever something was criminalized and became legalized, I've noticed that the, the, the cost of it becomes a lot higher. Right, because the taxes that are put on it. <clears throat> right, the taxes... The fact that you'll now have to pay fees for licenses and registration exactly. and, you know, uh, the fact that they'll obligate you to be in certain places and that might be costly as well. So now you have to raise your, your prices. So is that really liberating? Is that really, you know, making something safer? Not really, because we've already seen this with the legalization of, with marijuana, right? They they legalized it, and for a little while there it was fine because the taxes weren't, like, they were high, but they weren't absurd, you know? Right. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, California decided to raise it even more, and what happened? People started going back into the dark and selling it because they still have to make their money, and now they're selling it illegal, and now there's dangers again because it's in the dark. So... I don't feel like legalization, in my opinion, would be any benefit. Is it maybe a, a start? I wouldn't even say that because, again, you, the government still has control over your life. Of something that is completely victimless, you know, if it was done, if it was decriminalized, and it would be much safer if it was decriminalized because now you have that, that protection of uh, the other laws, right? Like kidnapping, uh, bodily harm, uh, right. sex uh, assault. You're now protected by those laws. As of right now, you're not. Right. And I, um, I read, I was reading this study that was done and all this data that they had put together. And 
um, the Swedish model where their goal was to, they were trying to decrease um, sex work activity and they criminalized the, uh, the clientele, um, not necessarily the sex workers, and it did not decrease the activity whatsoever. But the, one of the um, interesting things that I read was that uh, of the 29% of um, people who reported violence against them, only 2% that they would report it again in the future um, because they still were not being, there was still that prejudice. They were still um, not safe. They were still not being treated like human beings. So even where it's like kind of, you know, kind of legal or kind of decriminalized, that doesn't go away, the prejudice and the stigma. So, yeah. Yeah. For, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I may be, you know, um, I usually encompass the sex work industry, you know, as, you know, what what you do where you provide this uh, one-on-one service um, and then there's the the pornography, there's uh, the entertainment um, oh, there's area. there's so many facets of it. Yeah, there's right. so many facets of it. And yeah, everyone is full service. Yeah, right. for sure. So with that said, you know, I want to bring, because a lot of people are going to be like, they, they're just not going to be able to get it, uh, get this across them. You know, they're, they're, they're going to put this wall and say, you know, I don't care what James and Stevie say. Uh, you know, I just, I, I can't help but think about the young girls, the underage girls that they're like, you know, uh, abusing and stuff. And what I would like to say to that is I don't find human trafficking under the umbrella of sex work. That's a whole separate thing because... No, and that is... Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, go ahead. Yeah, I think you're going to go right into what I was going to say. So, <laughs> go ahead. That is... That's a huge thing that they use to, again, champion against sex work. Um, they lump it all into one category, and it's not the same. If anybody thinks that we are not vehemently against trafficking and pimping and things like that, like, you're insane. And we're so against it, more against it than the average person because we experience it, because it's so right in our face, because it's it impedes on our industry. But, no, they try to clump that together, and it is not the same at all. There's a ton of anti-trafficking organizations that – are um, that you know work for anti-trafficking that are also championing for decriminalization of sex work. They understand the difference between consensual sex work and actual trafficking. The statistics on trafficking are all fucking wrong, and what you're hearing in the media is total bullshit. It's not. They're not. I mean, this information is just out of control. All right, makes me upset. <laughs> it's like <laughs> so wrong what they put out there. And they try to, you know, um, it's just that vitriol and that alarmist. And, um, I mean, you know how the media is, right? They're right. scared and riled up. And just it's not correct. It's not correct at all. It, it, it isn't. And it's, it's almost like insulting, you know. And I think about yeah. back when, 
before I became a libertarian and I was a neocon. And I remember this situation because, and it's hypocritical. I, I will accept that, that I was a hypocrite back then, you know. And I, I may be a little hypocritical at certain things today. I'm still learning. I'm still being enlightened, right? But back right. then, right. I remember, you know, as a young, you know, I, I joined the service very, very young. I, I joined the service at 17, and I did all the same things that young service members did, drink, party, and go do all these things that I think is way worse than some of the things that, you know, we criminalize. And... Uh, I remember, you know, when we would go to the club and we would drink and stuff, we would go to a strip club afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. And this is how, like, close-minded I was at the time, right? That I thought that when I would, I would go to a strip club and I would think about these girls that were there and I was like, man, they must have been, like, you know, abused as a child to be working here or they must be hooked on drugs. They must be, like, they must have had a bad life. And this is just the idea that people, you know, the general population have of the sex work industry. They think about this, about the porn industry, about your industry, about like even the massage parlor industry sometimes. And it's this idea that the people in the sex work industry, that the providers are lesser than, right? Which is right. very insulting. Yeah. I actually, it's, you know, it's funny that you say that. I, uh, I actually tweeted out something the other day. I was reading, uh, I was reading these comments on this, this tweet of someone who was not in the sex work industry, but long story short, the comments really started to kind of irk me. Uh, and I tweeted out something like, you know, oh, we want equality for women. Ooh, but like not those women. And, I said, if you only knew the strength, the self-respect, the self-acceptance, the tolerance, the self-love, the courage, the bravery, the individualism that it takes to be those women, fuck, the world would revere us. Like, and I say that with so much humility, it takes, it takes another level to do what we do and to love ourselves and have the self-respect. Um, and, and honestly, it's this work that really kind of brings you to that point. Um, cause it like, you know, your boundaries and you know how to hold them and you know how to set them. You know, uh, you know what you're going to allow and what you're not, you know what you like and what you don't, and you're not afraid to, to say it and ask for it. Um, so not only do we have these really high standards, um, and choices in our work, but it bleeds over into our personal lives. And that's a conversation we have a lot where it really forces you to have these really high standards in your personal life as well. Like I wouldn't take somebody talking to me like that in my job. Why would I, why would I let, you know, my cousin over here talk to me like that? Hell no. Right. Your self-respect just goes through the roof. Um, and, and again, a huge misconception as far as, you know, um, what these women are like or, or whatever the comment sections on these things sometimes just make me so sad because yeah, they truly like the world does not see us as human. Um, right. And well, and it's, it's just, it's kind of disgusting. Very, it disgusting. is. 
Well, you know, and the stigma kind of, you know, it's not as bad, right? But there is a stigma on the beneficiary, uh, the client side of the industry, uh, where, you know, these guys are just nasty, perverted, you know, horrible men that objectify women. And that may be the case in some instances. But we, again, in this industry, even, you know, on both sides, you have people from every walks of life, right? So, and when I talked to this manager, he's like, here, I want you to, I want to introduce you to one of my girls. Because this, his, his, like, biggest beef about this whole thing is that people think that these women come from, like, the worst of the worst, right? And he's well, like, and that I is wanna, far I, from I the want, case. I, Go I, ahead. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I, I, I want to touch on that. Um, yes, that people just naturally assume that we came from very abusive backgrounds, that we must have had sexual abuse in our, in our past, in our childhood, whatever. Um, and again, I, I wish I had bookmarked this. Um, but I, I read this the other day. Someone had tweeted this out as well, another sex worker, and it was such an amazing point. Um, so what? Does that mean that we're not, does that mean that we don't deserve um, to be safe, to be protected, to have resources, to just be able to provide for ourselves, to have the resources to deal with that abuse in our in our childhood. And and again, it's another big misconception. Not all of us do. A lot of us don't. I personally do not. Um, I've had abuse in my um, adult life, never in my childhood. But again. Like, that's your reason to not provide us resources and to not allow us to be able to provide for ourselves and our family and um, do the work that we love. But no, that's, that's not a good, that's not a good reason that those two things don't even, um, they're, they're not one and the same. You know what I mean? Well, right, exactly. And that's the kind of the point that I'm getting to is that it is not one of the same. You're, you, you're working in an industry, like you said, that you love and that, you know, it provides for you and your family and what, nobody's getting hurt in this unless you, you know, you get the abuser or the, you know, the predator and that's because of the, the, the criminalization part because whenever there's, you know, something like this is criminalized, it, it opens the door for, uh, these predators to, because they know that it's not going to be reported. Right. But you see like that say, in any industry, record, though. I, yeah, I just want to say on record that that law was just passed in California, um, that that we can now report violence, um, including offenses, with immunity from arrest. So that was that was awesome. That's a good that, win. Yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah. And um, go California. <laughs> right. But, you know, you see this with any industry, even the, the legalized ones, right? You're always going to have some predator or some abuser in any industry. Again, like I was talking about, you know, in the service, there, I can't even count with my fingers and toes of how many cases of where higher ranking military members would sexually abuse lower ranking members and in, in exchange for, you know, better uh, evals for promotions. And you see this everywhere. It's not just in the sex industry. So what makes the sex industry so different? Then? Why should well, the sex industry be punished? 
for something that happens everywhere. Well, I think it comes back to that morality, you know. Um, I think that's really the true underlying issue is that, uh, you know, I was just having a conversation with um, a civilian who does not know what I do, but uh, we were having this conversation yesterday about, again, sex and intimacy is a basic human need, and to pretend like it's bad or wrong or dirty or shameful and um, to shame us for it and and then sell it back to us is like, I mean, we're all, we're all really, um, when we're living under that guise, it's really just kind of self-torture a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, right. you, I, I'm sure a lot of people, if they really stopped and took a look at it, um, in their own lives, they would, if they have the capacity, they would be able to recognize some of those feelings of, of it being shameful or dirty or it needs to be hidden away and, and super private. Don't let anybody know that you're doing it. Like, I'm sure a lot of people kind of experience, um, that sensation around sex and intimacy and maybe don't even know. I'm sure don't, I, I would bet money don't even know it. Um, but if they stopped and, and, and kind of had some awareness about it, like, whoa, like, why, where does that come from, really? You know? I was right. laughing the other day, um, like you were saying, you know, these things happen in, you know, everywhere. Um, I was, I, I, this has been on my mind a lot the last couple of days. It happened a couple months ago, but, um, at my civilian job, uh, there was a male, and the civilian job I work in is, I would say 99% female. And there was a male who, like, it was common knowledge. It was an open conversation about the way that he treated um, women in the office, the way he treated female clients. It was really, really, really bad. This guy is a walking lawsuit waiting to happen. <laughs> and we were all talking about it all the time. Like everybody was very, very aware of it, including upper management. And he was, he stuck around for years and he finally, um, left a couple of months ago and, uh, he was texting me quite a bit. He wanted to, to come back into the office, um, to specifically see me. And I told my manager, I said, I don't, um, you know, we're all aware of, of what went on and we're all aware of, you know, the inappropriate behavior. I was not exempt from that. And I do not want to see him as a client. And her response to me was, um, you know, oh, I would never make you see somebody you didn't want to see. But he's a client and he refers a lot of clients. So I don't want there to be any bad blood. And I just ask that you handle it professionally. Like, I was so, and this manager has avoided me like the plague since then, which is fine by me because I was so appalled by that kind of a response in this societal climate, in a company that's majority women, um, that's super reputable. I was like, are you, wow. I just, um, I'd never experienced anything like that in my civilian work because I do mainly work with women. Um, this is the first time, but I was floored and it, really put into perspective for me um, very, very clearly the dichotomy of my two 
worlds. Um, right. And, you know, this one world where I have very little control over things like that and my other world where I have full control and the men that are in my life are phenomenal. They're amazing. They treat me well. I treat them well. Um, our time together is like when the time is up, it's like, what, how does it, how is it over already? Like, you know, we can stay here <laughs> doing this all day long. Um, right. And it was just, it was really like, wow, that, it bummed me out in, on a lot of levels. In a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, um, I can only imagine. Yeah. So it's not, it's not exclusive to sex work. It's hardly exclusive to sex work. And I think that anybody who is saying that it's more prevalent in sex work is kidding themselves and just doesn't want to admit what it's really about for them, which, again, I think comes down to the morality of it. Like, well, I, right. I don't think people want to admit, like, I just think it's wrong, <clears throat> period. Yeah. I don't have any good reasons. I just think it's wrong, and you shouldn't be doing it. Well, that's not a good well, reason. And if we admitted that... It's because it's, it's been... Right. And it's because it's how society has been brainwashed. You know, I just... Right. I think about all these different cultures where, you know, and I talked a little bit about it with Don for this next episode after this one. And, you know, I remember going to Thailand and it is so widely accepted there, this, the sex work mm-hmm. industry. I can't remember for in 10% sure. 10% of tourism, their sex work industry alone. Yes. And yeah. it's almost like a, well, it's even, not even the tourism, like it is normal to see a married guy uh, at a, uh, with a sex worker. There's no problems because in their cultural mind, and this might be, you know, a little bit, uh, you know, sexist in the Thai culture, women, the woman that you marry is the woman that you is going to be not only your life partner, but you're the person that you're going to have kids with. And, mm-hmm. you know, the person that, um, is going to, support you and be there for you and your kids. And the sex worker is to fulfill that need that the, the, the sexual need in the void. Right. And that's just their mentality and wrong or right. What we've seen though in Thailand is that you have the, the women that do the sex work and they're perfectly okay. They're safe. They're taking care of themselves. You know, there's, I know there's a lot of, again, info that people try to put out there that, oh, you know, these women are abused, they're uh, exploited, there's a lot of uh, STDs in that industry there. And yeah, you do get the, the, the exploited world, but again, you can't lump that into the sex work. That's human trafficking is separate. And normally, the human trafficking portion is where most of the tourists go to versus mm-hmm. the locals in Thailand. They go to the reputable sex work industry, the legal one. Right. And they're perfectly safe. Right. But it's funny that, you know, we're such a hypocritical society here in the United States. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, where we have a bunch of tourists, Americans that go to Thailand and go to the human trafficking instead of going to the legal sex work. 
right? Right. But yet they're so against legal sex work here in the United States. Now, I want to go into, let's just say we were in our utopia world, right? Our, like, my utopia world is a complete libertarian world where our rights are not being infringed on and less government, and let's just say sex work is decriminalized. The worry, you know, again, it's a moral worry where they think that the sex work industry will break up families. What is your opinion on that? Uh, well, I think that that comes back again to people are going to do what they're going to do, um, regardless of uh, what laws are in place or not. Um, people are going to make their own choices and they have their own free will. There's quite literally nothing we can do about that. As far as breaking up families, I think, I mean, we, we are not breaking up families. Let's just be very, very clear about that. Um, and again, that's a big conversation that we have quite often as well, where, um, you know, a wife will find some communication or something and, you know, she'll just flip out and go on some rampage and, whatnot. Um, I actually, I will say, I've actually seen um, more stories, kind of more retelling of experiences of um, providers who've been confronted by wives who, where the conversation or the situation ends like really beautifully. And the wife kind of ends up being like, you know, I know it's like, it's not your fault. Like, you didn't seek out my husband. You didn't, you know, this is, this is not you. This is a choice he made. Uh, I see a lot. I actually see a lot of those. You'd be surprised. But, of course, there's always the ones that just, you know, um, are obviously devastated, rightfully so. Um, but that's a conversation between a husband and a wife or, or two partners, Um Again, we are we are not breaking up marriages. We are not seeking out um, we're not seeking out any clients. We are, we have our services available um, to those who can obtain them um, and who can screen through them. And you know, if you're making the choice to come to us, that's your choice. Um, what you are doing in your relationship is something for that, you know, that person to reflect on, um, whether you're handling that situation appropriately with your partner, your spouse or not. Um, there are a lot of situations where, you know, men see providers and the wife not only knows about it, but supports it for whatever reason. Um, I've heard, I've heard a variety of reasons why wives, um, know, encourage and support that decision for their husbands. Um, so, you know, that's a level of honesty and transparency and one's ability to ask for what they need, um, in their relationship that, you know, that's private to them, um, and certainly needs to be done, you know, any healthy relationship that should be done. Right. Um, but I, I mean, it, you, you can't put it on us. Because we're right. again, we're not we're not out there like stealing husbands <laughs> from 
Right. Well, and I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to screen them and find out if they're married and if they're married, refuse them service? I mean, in what industry, Again, that's you know? Again, poli- that's policing morality. That would be right. us policing morality. Like, oh, well, you're married. You shouldn't be doing this. Like, who are we to say? We're clearly very liberal. We're clearly uh, have some very different ideas about sex and intimacy, obviously. So right. who are we to say what other people should or should not be doing in that realm. We can't. Exactly. I mean, what can we do about the stigma? How, you know, uh, we're having these conversations. Uh, I know I'm going to get accused in comments and, you know, from people saying, James, you're romanticizing the sex work industry. You're um, trying to normalize it. And, you know, what I would respond to that is like, okay, so what? Um, But... I guess my thing is, you know, what else can we do other than having these conversations? How can we educate people? I mean, you know, I'm trying to, I guess my biggest thing with it is as I've been growing into enlightening myself and learning about, like, for example, the non-aggression principle and criminalizing sex work is very aggressive by the government. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's an aggression and I'm just trying to think of non-aggressive ways to try to convince people uh, the misconception of these stigmas, right? And it's really difficult to not just shake somebody and say, look, it, you're wrong. And It's not what you think. Exactly. Yeah. So what can we do to try to fight these stigmas? Oh. That's a great question. Um, I mean, in my little corner of the world, like I am try, I just try to, I'm totally out to my friends and family. Um, you know, I think that's, that's a first step, but it's not for everyone. Not everybody has that ability, that desire. Uh, it's a very, very, very personal choice. So, you know, and it's certainly not, the end all be all, of course. Um, I mean, I think that's the thing, though. I I think it's just as a, I think it's a, I think it just needs to be a a conversation, a constant conversation, and um, to be bringing these things to um, the world stage and and on an individual level. Um, You know, I think you know, what is that quote? If you want to change the world, it starts with you or right. or should that, but, um, that's that general. <laughs> You're close statement. enough. Um, yeah, you know, that's kind of where I, uh, how I try to make change is, um, just in my interactions with people one-on-one, um, you know, trying to be a living example of, you know, how this is, been so good for me how this benefits me how um but that poses a big risk for you though right yeah yes uh yeah i would say every time every time that i'm asked to like can we meet for dinner by like a family member or something you know i'm like oh fuck yeah here we go. like shit i'm gonna you know get it again because occasionally i do you know occasionally somebody will be having a bad day and like i'm really easy target um, as far as like, if they need somewhere to just let it out, that's a really, 
that's a really easy scapegoat to use. Um, so I do get it from time to time, but I'm so secure. I've, I've, you know, I really grappled and, and, and fought with my own belief systems and my own values, um, to find what I really believe and what, find my truth, like for real. Um, I'm so secure in my truth, what I know to be true, what I know to be my passion, um, what makes me happy, what I believe, what I don't believe that I can, you know, I can handle that. I can handle when I get that fire, but, um, it's hard. It's super hard and it, um, it takes time. You know, I just, yeah, well, I mean, that that's, that's a tough one, you know? I mean, it has happened before, you know. I mean, we see with um, the LGBT community, you know, Mm -hmm. where there was a huge stigma there. And we we manage, I mean, it's not completely overcome, but we're so close to overcoming the, you know, that um, that stigma for a lot of change. Yeah, there's been a lot of change. Well, I I almost said that, too, as I was thinking about it. Like, um, I'm not not so much a proponent of this in my personal life, but I almost said that, like, almost has to just, like, fucking force it on people. (laughs) Like, like, you're going to hear this, and, like, you're going to see this, and and we're going to shine a huge light on it, and we're going to be super loud and super out there and super present. And... I mean, and that's the LGBT community did that. Like, they were like, no, you're going to accept us. And they fought like hell. Um, right. I mean, for now decades, they did have. They, and, yeah. But they had an advantage over the sex work uh, industry because it wasn't necessarily illegal to be gay or a lesbian or a transsexual. It was just very stigmatized. Um, to the well, point where, you know, yeah, it was they weren't getting protected. There, but there were laws, too, in some, right. and I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, what, you know, where specifically, but I do know that, you know, there were laws against, um, against them that, in a way, criminalized them or certainly further marginalized them. And um, right. I did deal with that as well. As for, I mean, that just as far as, like, gay marriage. That was, I mean, how long does that go on? And it's, I think, right. still going on. Uh, it is still going on. So, you know, those things, yeah, the in that way, yeah, absolutely. It's very similar in those ways, for sure. True, true. I mean, I think criminali- decriminalizing, you know, sex work would be amazing. Not for my personal benefit or anything. I just, I, I feel that whenever a, a person's right is being violated in any sort of way, right? Because your right is being violated. You're being told you cannot use your body. You don't, you're not smart enough. You're not capable enough. You're not competent enough to, to decide how you should use your body and how you should benefit from, you know, right. from your body, right? right? And something that, you know, JT said, uh, on our, on our first episode, you, if you remember, you know, freedoms can you're already born with your freedoms. Freedoms can only be taken away. And that's exactly what this is, right? You were already yeah. born with the freedom to do this. And right. it was taken away from you. And if 
people cannot get mad at that simple fact that somebody has taken away a, a, a right, a natural right from you. I just don't know, understand. So, any final words? Oh my gosh, probably so many. This <laughs> is a conversation that just needs to continue to go on, and um, you know, I hope that anybody that that is listening to it is um, taking a moment to step back and. Um, before projecting your own ideas or your own belief systems onto whether you agree with me or not or agree with you or not, to just just consider it before you, uh, you know, really decide what you think about it. Just consider some different angles and um, consider your own beliefs and consider where those beliefs come from. You know, right. we don't, we were all conditioned to have these belief systems that, we don't necessarily really agree with and um, if we want to really evolve and grow and um, have, you know, better conditions for human rights specifically, like we have to challenge those and we have to ask ourselves why, where does that come from? And let's change it for real because usually it comes from some outdated bullshit. <laughs> so I just hope that people will do that, you know, take the time to just uh, reflect Absolutely. I think that's perfect. Perfect ending there. Stevie, thank you so much for being on my podcast. Um, you know, I, I love this, uh, relationship that you and I have built, you know, in, um, kind of fighting for, for people's freedoms. And I think this is important work. Uh, and I greatly appreciate you being on and I hope that we can do a lot more. Uh, yeah. you know, cause, uh, even though we, we talk specifically about the sex work industry, this involves so much more. I mean, we can, mm -hmm. we can we have this exact, <laughs> I know we can, and we can like substitute like sex work with, uh, with uh, the drug war and it would have, it would be yeah. pretty much the exact same, uh, conversation. So, right. um, yeah, I, I appreciate absolutely. Um, so with that, uh, thank you so much for being on, and I'm looking forward to continue working with you to fight the good fight. So, Yeah, same. Thank you so much. So that's all we got for today. Uh, don't forget to subscribe, like, share, leave feedback, review. Uh, visit www.paceandfreedom.com to check out all the episodes. We're on... Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, Stitcher, Spotify, and finally on iHeartRadio. So that's what I'll leave you with. And have a wonderful day. <laughs>